The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with today's episode of Bench with Bubba, let me tell you about one of our sponsors, Draft. If you love fantasy baseball, then you need to try our new favorite app called Draft. It's daily fantasy baseball, but not like the other guys. On Draft, you play live snake drafts with other people just like in your season-long league. Drafts last just for one night. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Just set it and forget it. And the best part, you play for cold, hard cash and get paid out the next day. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. Trust me, I love playing drafts. I play golf. I play NFL, basketball. You can play um, three. Uh, you can play head-to-head, three-man, six-man. There's, there's running leagues. You win one night. It keeps going for four, five, six nights. You can play a dream team. There's all kinds of great ways to play draft, and you can join me today. Just search draft in your app store or, or play right from your computer on draft.com. And when you enter promo code SD Sports. You got to enter the promo code SD Sports. You get a free entry into a real money baseball draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use the promo code SD Sports. That's right. Playing a real money game for free just for using the promo code SD Sports when you make your first deposit. Just again, search draft in your app store or go to draft.com and enter the promo code SD Sports. Now to this week's edition of Benched with Bubba. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 95. I have a special guest on tap tonight to talk some fancy baseball and dig into the you know, more in-depth stat casty and uh, new metrics that people are looking at on the uh, baseball landscape, landscape these days. In order to do so, you can find him on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. Toby, how are we doing, man? Uh, we're doing well, Bubba. Uh, thanks so much for having me on the uh, on the show, the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's going to be great. I can't wait to do it. Um, I think we kind of got to know each other, you know, right before the season or so. You started 
your tweets are just awesome because they open up so many different parallels to things. I've told people for a while that I've slowly been like that, you know, guy that lives under a rock that didn't want to accept the new era of stats. And I've the last year or so, I've really started to, to dig in and I'm still learning them as I go because there's so many new ones that keep coming out. And you look at your um, your tweets all the time and it gives just great in-depth looks at, you know, well, this is why player A is doing this and maybe player A is going to start doing this or so on and so forth. I think it's a great tool and you're using Twitter to its fullest ability in that sense. So kudos to you on that one. And um, Thanks, I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> no, anytime. I put a lot of time into those, uh, into those tweets, so I'm glad uh, it, it's nice to hear that folks appreciate them. No, and trust me, it's not just me. I'm just speaking, I'm hoping for many, because I've heard your name mentioned on other shows about the stuff you're tweeting out. So um, it is not going unnoticed, if that's if that's anything you need to know. It's <laughs> it's definitely much appreciated, because like I'll look up these things, and I just I, I know they're time-consuming for you, because I'll, I'll try to put little things together, and then you or Matt Modica or somebody throws out these long tweets with all this info. I'm like, good Lord, that's amazing. So... <laughs> Thank you for that. But uh, let's get into some of the things. We'll start with kind of your process. We kind of talked about it in the DM for a little bit, but let's let the people know when you're looking at kind of the hitters and, you know, what makes them the plus and minuses and the stats you're looking at. Kind of give us a little behind the scenes on what uh, what you do when you break those down. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, uh, you know, like you mentioned before, like there's so much data that's out there right now. Um, and so I think half the battle is sifting through what you think might be useful and what might not be useful. Um, so for me, I always start off at, at fan graphs normally, and I'm looking at, uh, kind of the, the three primary things I look at initially are O swing or chase rate. So essentially the percentage of pitches that a batter swings outside the zone, um, contact and swinging strike percentage, um, mostly contact with hitters just because swinging strike rate, um, the denominator is pitches, whereas contact is how many times somebody's swinging. So. If somebody's not swinging at a lot of pitches, then their swinging strike rate is going to look low. Somebody like a Reese Hoskins, for instance. Uh, and then I also look at hard hit rate. I don't actually love hard hit rate as a stat, but I think like um, it gives you a pretty good sense of how hard people are hitting the ball. Um, and so um, those are kind of the three I start off with. So O swing with trace rate, you know, the lower the O swing, um, essentially the better. The, the, that person is showing that they have a good eye, good plate discipline. Um, it's correlated with walk percentage. Um, there are some things that impact it, right? Like if you're making contact or you're aggressive in the zone, even having an, a lower O swing percentage might not result in a higher walk rate. But generally speaking, I think of that as kind of, you know, what you look for for plate discipline. With contact, it's contact. You know, how how often is somebody making contact? And then with hard hit rate, um, it's, um, you know, how hard is somebody hitting the ball? The reason why I don't um, love hard hit rate is that it's, it's somewhat subjective because it's based um, it's not based on exit velocity on fan graphs. I mean, I'm sure it does a great job of kind of calculating whether somebody's uh, hitting the ball hard, but it's not tied directly to exit velocity. Um, so, you know, I, I think of that, um, you know, I look at that one just to see how, how hard somebody's hitting the ball. And like, I like to, I like to think about the combination of these things too. So like, you know, I love it when I see that a hitter is swinging at less pitches making more contact and making hard contact because that really tells me you know something's changed in his approach um you know he's being more patient looking for that pitch to hit and, and hit it so those are kind of like my three three ones that I, I go to initially um and then always looking back at somebody's career it's much easier to do this when somebody has a, a career you can look at and really looking at okay you know if his o swing percentage is down he's swinging at less pitches outside the zone 
but his rock, his walk rate, you know, is the same or is worse, you know, that might be a situation where you can expect the walk, the walk rate to increase as long as those skills increase. So I'm really looking at skills here as opposed to, to stats. Um, so those are kind of the primary three. Um, I could talk for days. Uh, so I apologize in advance for this, but, um, about these. And then I always go to xstats.org, um, which is this great website that Andrew Perpetua writes for um, Rotographs and Fangraphs um, put together. And essentially it looks at uh, every batted ball based on both exit velocity and then horizontal and vertical launch angle. Um, that's where it's different from some of the uh, expected metrics that you see on like Baseball Savant. Um, and then it, it calculates a hit percentage as, as well as you know, what type of hit it would expect that to be. And based on that, um, he's able to put together like expected average, uh, expected home runs. Um, and so that really gives me a sense of whether what we're seeing in terms of performance um, is accurate, you know. Um, and for the most part, it does a great job uh, of doing that. But, um, you know, there are certain situations like really fast runners that bunt a lot. Um, it doesn't, uh, it's not good at factoring folks like that. So you have to think about, you know, uh, putting together both the skills that you look at and the expected stats. And then um, uh, let me know if you have any questions as I, as I go through. This. Yeah. One, one thing I did want to ask you is because these are all different stats of different metrics and samples and everything. And what I'm wondering is what kind of sample size are you looking for? What part of the season before you start letting these stats kind of sink in? Okay. This is something we can go off of. So that's always kind of a hot button topic, depending on which person you're talking about. Of what is the right sample size for these stats? Yeah, well, one of the reasons why I like to look at skills, I mean, there are certain skills that um, uh, that become that are more reliable over smaller sa sample sizes. I'm not like a statistician at all, so I apologize if I'm using the wrong words to describe these things. But um, you're using the better words than me, so you won't fool me. So you're fine. Um, so um, yeah, so uh, you know, I look from the I really look from the get go, right? And I think with sample size, for me, it's a matter of like how sure am I that this is going to continue? Because when you look at some of this stuff, right, you can have these huge fluctuations, right? You had, um, uh, you know, uh, Paul DeYoung is a great example. I know we're going to talk about his injury later, but like he started out and his strikeout rate was like 40%. But when you looked at the underlying skills, um, you know, the skills were kind of showing you that not only was this guy, you know, kind of making similar contact, contact was down slightly, but he was actually, his O swing percentage was down, but his walk rate hadn't gone up yet. So like you can look at things early on just to see and to gauge like does what he's doing right now, is it supported by the skills as opposed to the stats, right? Like it's kind of embarrassing, but oftentimes like I won't know how many runs or RBIs, you know, guys who aren't on my teams have or home runs because I'm really like looking at the skills first as opposed to, you know, the stats to see like, you know, is the approach good? Are they hitting the ball well? How do they compare to the major league average? And so really for me, like the skills, you know, is something that I'm tracking from the get-go. And then I'll just kind of put little, you know, like I'll, I'll tweet it out or um, I'll just say, hey, you know, this guy's skills look a little interesting, right? That doesn't mean that they're going to continue, right? Because yeah. even when even when you, you know, whether something's predictive or not, like it's really hard to find predictive stats. And so like a lot of times what I'm looking for is, is there a change in the way that the batter is approaching hitting um, that uh, supports the performance so far, whether it's good or bad? So sample size is obviously something like don't make um, don't make big decisions based on small sample sizes. But it's also like we talked about this before the show started, like people 
um, like in that now in fantasy, like you can get information so much, like the, there's so much information out there that you actually, you can't wait until something's meaningful statistics, exactly. you know, to like pounce on it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I like to look at skills because it really tells me like, you know, like, you know, if, if so-and-so like, uh, if Corey Dickerson has like a 9% K percentage, right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's improved contact, but like his contact or swinging strike rate looks more like a 20% K rate. Like, I'm not going to think that that's going to hold necessarily. You know, if the swinging strike rates down at like 3%, you know, that might be something where I'm like, okay, like, I think that might, might make more sense. So I'm always looking at it and you just have to be conscious of, of, of that, that, that samples can change so quickly. Like look at Judy Gregorius, you know, like you have this amazing, you know, first couple weeks of the season and it looked like his skills were off the charts. And then, you know, he's reverting back to a similar player to what he was before. So um, that's kind of the way that I think about these things and why I love skills looking at skills so much is that, um, you know, they really, they kind of help you give you a picture of, you know, who is this guy? Like what's, what are they doing? And is it different from what they've done before? No, that makes a ton of sense. And that's what I, I was kind of asking because it is in this world we live in now where you have to make decisions so fast. You see everybody looking at their fab budgets this week to go pick up minor leaguers that haven't done anything in the bigs. And uh, we'll talk about like one. Yeah. We'll talk about Soto and others. And you, you look at them and you realize the guy is great but he's only done, you know, this at the double A level for a couple of weeks and against different talent levels and so on and so forth. And it's okay for some people, I guess, in that extent to take that small sample as being great. But then you go and you mention it to a guy that's done it in the league for 10 years or something like that. And all of a sudden, no, that's not a big enough sample to say the change is legit type thing. So I guess it's to each their own, but it's really interesting with the the data you put out there because you mentioned when when you post a tweet or something, it's not to say, hey, this guy's great. He's going to keep doing this. It can also be showing you, hey, this is what he usually does. And this is what he's doing now. There's a good chance it comes back down to earth. So let's like look at both sides of the story here and figure it out. Yeah, um, and that's one of the hard yeah. thing about the tweets is like I want to fit exactly thing in those 280 characters. Thank God for 280 characters. Uh, I might be the first person to ever say that about Twitter, but um, <laughs> like you know, yeah, like what information do you provide? And a lot of times I feel bad because I'll put stuff out there without necessarily having a description of like what this means action wise. And people will be like, so like, what are you trying to tell me? And then I get to explain it a little bit more, but um, yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, and extreme samples are, are something too. Like, I think it was Bill James mm-hmm. who talked about extreme samples. Like, you know, there, there's something mean, you know, there's, there could, there's things that are meaningful in extreme samples, right? Like it tells you something just like if somebody hits like, you know, one of the hardest balls exit velocity wise, like he may not hit a ton of those, but like that t- actually tells you something about that's a skill, right? Not everybody can hit the ball as hard as Aaron judge can. So exactly. No, that, that's some of the crazy stuff about it. And it's going to keep uh, evolving and make it fun. But it, you know, that's for people to decipher and have good conversations about as long as, you know, the Twitter cesspool doesn't uh, go out of control on it, then these can be great building blocks. But as you know, and many others do, that doesn't always seem to be the case on Twitter. So we shall see how that keeps going. Uh, let's talk about some pitcher stuff. We've got the hitters down. What are you looking for pitchers wise by what I'm seeing here is pretty similar type stuff, but let, 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 let tell the listeners what you got going there. Yeah, definitely. So, with pitchers, um, it is similar stuff. I look at swinging strike rate. Uh, swinging strike rate uh, correlates better to strike strikeout rate um, than contact rate in, among pitchers, I believe. Um, but it's it's a great indicator of strikeout potential. Like that's kind of my go-to stat, if you will, just because I'm looking at you know like 
it's much better not to let people put the ball in play, right? Uh, you get into trouble when you, you have balls in play. So looking at what strikeout potential is, and especially in today's game, today's fantasy game, I mean, you know, like it used to be that if you had, you know, nine K, uh, like a, if you were in like an innings limit league and you had nine uh, Ks per nine, right? Like that, that was amazing, right? And now it's like fairly regular to see pitchers with, you know, who are striking out more than one person in an inning. And so, you know, when you get into like seven Ks per nine or six Ks per nine, like that's really going to drag you down, um, you know, in, in every league, but especially if you have like an innings limit um, at all. So I look at swinging strike rate, contact rate, um, you know, in contact rate, I look at in-zone contact rate more than uh, outside the zone. So Z contact, just because that tells me like, even when the pit- hitter's getting a ball in the zone, like how well are they doing against this guy's stuff? Uh, I look at uh, K minus walk percentage. I mean, that's probably like the best indicator of, of how good a pitcher is because it looks at both strikeouts and, and, um, and control. Um, and then I look at O swing too, because O swing, somebody with a high O swing, like, you know, that helps limit their walk rate because when they're throwing it outside mm-hmm. the zone, people are swing- swinging at it. And it also means that they can, um, you know, they can get, ra- get away with a little worse con- uh, control. Um, and then when I look at like for w- looking at somebody's control, um, I look at first pick strike rate, um, uh, you know, seeing where they are and then zone percentage um, to see whether like somebody's, you know, there's a lot of guys like, um, you know, Jamison Tyone is kind of like the guy that I go to is like a perfect example, right? He came out of the gate super hot, but when you looked at his swinging strike rate, it was the same as always, right? And it's well below average. So like, you know, his K rate was higher, but you knew that that was coming down. And similarly, you know, his walk percentage was about the same as normal, but his first pitch strike percentage was like, you know, mid fifties or something like that. And his zone percentage was pretty similar. So he was getting behind people in the zone. So that was kind of like a a red flag for me. So looking at that, and I think the challenge with this is that like, you know, and Eno Saris just had an article where he had the, I think it's the command plus stat. And there are different stats out there for command. But it's really it's that's something that's really hard, right? You're really looking at strikeouts and control. It's really hard to get a gauge on on command. But it's good to see that there are more stats out there that are coming out to look at that. And then I also use stat, X stats for pitchers, right? Especially um, looking at like you know their BABIP, you know versus their expected BABIP, uh, you know their um, a WOBA versus their expected WOBA, kind of like for a little bit more of a comprehensive look to see you know who's overperforming or underperforming their batted balls in play. And then when I get super detailed, I like to look at pitch splits. So if you go into fan graphs and you go into splits, and then there, another tab there is pitch splits, you can actually look at how each pitch does. And so I like to look at comparing past seasons, like how is this pitch doing? Uh, what percentage of the time is are they throwing this pitch? Because sometimes it can be as simple as like, um, you know, just increasing throwing your best pitch. It sounds ridiculous. Like it sounds like people would know to do that, but I'm sure it's much more complicated than that. But sometimes just throwing like your best pitch and a pitch with the highest swinging strike rate is going to help get you more Ks. Um, And then also um, I do this for hitters too. I like to look at average rolling graphs through fan graphs. So like looking at these metrics over time to like, what is the 80 game rolling average? What is the 40 game rolling average? What is the 20 game rolling average? just to see like whether there's any trends that you can identify um, in what's happening with, with what they're doing. Um, you know, so um, you know, a good example would be like uh, Matt Davidson, like when he hit the three home runs to start the season, I was like, Oh, you know, that's interesting. So I, I went into his rolling averages graph and it actually was pretty clear that at the end of last season, 
he had really limited his swings on pitches outside the zone and had developed a much better eye. So I didn't know what he was going to do moving forward, but it was kind of like, ah, oh, this is interesting. Like he's, it seems like he has a different uh, approach at the plate. Like he hits the ball really hard. You know, it'll be interesting to see what happens from there. So that's where those come into play. And, you know, at Fangraphs, you can see, you know, contact percentage, swinging strike percentage. You can see pitch mix. So like, how is that fluctuating? And then looking how, how that impacts like swinging strike and stuff like that. Like, is there a spike in their, in Kyle Gibson's slider usage that is accompanying a spike in overall swinging strike rate? So that's kind of what, you know, I do for pitching, um, you know, as well. And again, like this is pretty laborious and it takes time to get used to. So, you know, choose what works for you and, and kind of, kind of go from there. No, I like it. And, and you mentioned, you know, the, the strikeout information out, the swings, the zone rates and all that stuff. And and it is a different era. We were watching in baseball now with the, you know, the three true outcomes and one of them striking out quite a bit. There's guys with, you know, 30 plus percent K rates. I think Max Scherzer, he still is, or he's close to almost 50% K rate on right-handed batters. Like there's just ridiculous numbers now that you, you didn't see back in the day. So um, it, it is interesting to, to look at the different, you know, zone percentages and whatnot. In, when it comes to the pitching, um, when you're doing these these samples for your hitting and your pitching, before we get into the next topic on the the pickups, which set of kind of you know trending stats do you see um, staying truer? Is it the, the hitters kind of stay truer to their improvement or unimproved stats, or the pitchers kind of show more of a consistency with the improvements or not improved stats? Yeah, you know, that's a that's a super good question. I actually I don't know the answer to that. Um just a know, rough number. Like, like yeah, we don't need exact. Like if you just think about I know you've put out hundreds of them, so it might be hardest to think about, but if you had to just take a guess, then I guess. Yeah. Sometimes I want to just like go back and look at every tweet I've put out and like analyze like, okay, did this end up happening or not? But um yeah. it's um, you know, like what I what I think is um what I think is important is like, I don't know if this makes sense, but like what I try to do is I try to create a narrative for the player. Like, does this, like, does this make sense? Right. Like, so let's say like, um, you know, a guy, uh, like you see that his, um, you know, that he's, uh, that the, um, that their swinging strike rate, um, is increasing, right. Uh, a lot but the K percentage is not uh, increasing, right? Like a hitter is, um, you know, the skills are saying that something is, is supposed to happen and it's not happening. Like the reason why I love O swing for hitters is because not only does it tell you like about walks, but like, it really says like this person's locked in, like this person knows the zone, like they're swinging at better pitches and so, like, if it's very underrated like, these days, very underrated these days. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, like, guys that are hard for me are like, are like uh, Javier Baez, right? For this season, <laughs> I was like, there's like, I was like, I can't believe people are like, you know, paying, you know, uh, ADP of 105 for Javi Baez, right? Like, this is ridiculous. Look at his swinging strike rate is worse than Joey Votto's over the last, you know, however long. Like, there's no way this guy is going to be good. And look what he goes and does like the beginning of the season. And I'm sitting here like, you know, oh, well, I missed that one. I said the same thing about Didi Gregorius about home runs, right? Like he's always way over expected home runs. Like he always, like last year he had 25. I think he was at 15 expected home runs. His average home run distance was like 337 feet, right? Oh, like 25 home runs at 337 feet. Like how do you, 
How do you Yankee do that? Stadium. Yeah, he hits 10 home runs. So like there are guys that are going to break it, but a lot of times like it's looking for that story. Like do the pieces connect? Like mm-hmm. they're starting to hit the ball harder. Are they swinging at better pitches? Is the contact going up? Does that make sense? Like a good mm-hmm. example is home runs. Like home runs, I think there's so many stats now that you can look at to say like, does this make sense, right? So for like power metrics, like if a guy's hitting a ton of home runs, I'll look at the home runs and then I'll look at expected home runs, right? So like on similar batted balls with the same exit velocity, horizontal and vertical launch angle, are these folks, you know, like uh, does the home runs make sense, right? And some people always perform outperform their expected home runs. And I'm sure there's a reason why that we just don't know, but it just happens. So there's that, right? You can also look at hard hit fly ball rate. You can look at fly ball rate, like, if your hard hit fly ball rate is staying the same, but you're hitting more fly balls, you should hit more home runs, right? Because the volume is going to be higher. Hard hit pulled fly ball rate, like that's one of the things that hitters can do that's easiest is if you pull the ball more in the air, you're going to hit more home runs because you don't have to hit the ball mm-hmm. as far, right? So I look at hard hit pulled fly ball percentage, which is something you can do in the split tools and fan graphs. Um, I look at barrels per plate appearance because that's, that's your quality contact, right? Is this person making really good contact? And then I look at exit velocity at certain launch angles, right? Like a lot of times people will use average launch angle and I very rarely use that. And I try to stay away from it because like, really like, I don't care how hard Eric Hosmer is hitting the ball at a negative 30 degree launch angle, right? Like that doesn't matter to me, right? If he's hitting the ball 105 miles per hour, which he's not like on like fly ball launch angles, like, you know, a lot of those are going to be home runs. So looking at exit velocity at certain launch angles, like 17 degrees to 42 or 19 to 39, depending, um, you know, so there's all those things that you can look at. Those are things with power numbers where I feel pretty comfortable saying like, you know, this is just small sample size. It's not going to work out or, um, you know, otherwise, but there's always exceptions to the rule. Like Joe Maurer always underperforms his expected home runs by a time. And that's because he hits a lot of them to the opposite field. And I wonder if there's something like spin rate wise on, on the ball on when you hit the ball to the opposite field that is somehow like limiting the distance or something. I don't know, but like, you know, there's so many different ways to go at it. And, um, you know, sometimes you're going to be right. And sometimes you're going to be wrong. But I think when you look at the skills instead of the stats, I think more often than not, those are going to point you in the right direction. No, I completely agree. That's kind of where I go back to when I used to just be more of a, I watch what's going on. I see what's happening. I, I believe what I'm watching on the field but then now that we have all these great stats that kind of portray that idea, that logic, like you're talking about with the pooled percentages and other things like that, that you can actually put, you know, pen to paper and, and analyze a lot more than just saying, Hey, this guy's crushing a lot of balls to right field. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a lot different. So yeah. uh, a little ju- justification goes a long ways. Uh, kind of last question on this, this topic here. What, um, when you're looking at your hitters and your pitchers and all these different changes and so on and so forth, everything we just talked about, what do you have to see to make you start pulling the triggers on ad drops in your fantasy leagues? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, what we talked about earlier is so fitting, right? Is oftentimes you don't like, have the time. You don't have that time to like make the decision. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm really looking for is, is do the skills support the improvement, right? So like somebody like a, um, you know, and even that, like it's, it's not, you know, it doesn't always, you know, work out, but like a good example would be like uh, Daniel Robertson on the Rays, right? Like he's somebody who, you know, I took a look at his, his, uh, his skills, you know, a couple weeks back. And I don't think he's actually had a 
a very good couple weeks. Um, he did hit a grand slammer yesterday, which is great, but um, he's a guy who, who's been dropped by a lot of people. But when you look at kind of like his, the skills early on in the season, I mean, he was, he was swinging at nothing outside the zone. His hard contact was up, you know, he was just making really good contact and the expected stats were supporting, um, uh, you know, the production, right. He was, I think he was hitting a little above, you know, what his average should be, but his average was still like 320, right? Like that's a guy that I'm like, you know, oh, like the skills are supporting what I'm seeing, right? That doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to do well, you know, the rest of the season, but at least makes me feel a little bit more um, confident, especially when I can like, what I like to do too is like look at the rolling graphs and, and at that moment where you see them starting to shift, you know, I like to look at like, okay, what are their, what are their stats over that period of time? You know, and like really looking at, okay, like how has this changed this person as a hitter potentially? And I also like to look back at like the last 14 days, the last 30 days on a frequent basis. Cause a lot of times within the context of a season, as it gets longer, like if you just look at the season long stats, you're going to miss out on guys that are starting to hit the ball really well. Like uh, John, I think it's John Hicks on the Detroit. Detroit has like a really good schedule this next week. You know, Hicks, he's hitting a ton of fly balls. His hard hit rate has spiked. His O swing is getting a little bit better. You know, his contact rate is still pretty crappy, but like that's a guy that if you're looking for home runs, right? Where mm-hmm. if you look at the overall season, it doesn't look too nice, but recently it's really, you know, taken a, a turn for the better. Andrew McCutcheon, I know we're going to talk about him later, I think a little bit, but, you know, if you look at his recent skills, I mean, they are nuts. I mean, like he's swinging at his O swing percentage is 15%. So half of what the league average is. His hard hit rate is up at 50%. You know, his barrels per plate appearance is up 3% over last year. His hard hit rate is up 10% about over last year. He has three home runs, 5.3 expected home runs. Like we saw what he could do over a month period of time last year with the Pirates around this time. So that's a guy that I'm maybe targeting in a trade or something like that. So it really like, it really is about like looking at how the skills change and whether there's stats that support that or in a lot of cases, like, the stats don't support that yet, but like the skills show you that this is a really good player over the last little bit. And if they can continue this moving forward, um, you know, that they can, they can really improve, right? Like that's why, you know, guys like Tommy Pham, like love Tommy Pham heading into this year because God, he didn't swing at any bad pitches. He hit the ball hard. Yeah. He hit a bunch of ground ground balls, but when he hit the ball in the air, he hit it really hard. Right. Like same thing with Jose Martinez, right? Like he, you know, when, if you looked at the whole season, he was nowhere within the leaders. But when you looked at his stats and his X stats and his skills, right, they all said 300 hitter, doesn't hit a lot of fly balls. But when he hits fly balls, he hits those things hard. So, you know, those are examples of where you can use those smaller sample sizes to really make decisions. And I think especially on trades, like if a guy is like, if the skills are saying this guy is going to break out, you know, then you know, go for him. Like Alex Bregman, I put up a tweet. Like I love Alex Bregman because those skills are so good, you know? Um, so he's a guy like that I would be targeting in trades. Cause I think he's going to go off the hook. Right. He just had a home run stolen the other day. He just hit a home run recently. Like I think he's going to go off sometime soon. That whole Houston lineup is just waiting to explode. I think. Well, yeah. And it, you know, the generic way to, to say it is what I like to say is a lot is, you know, after a while, baseball is such a great game and it's there's such a history and, you know, so much of a sample year after year after year, you get the back of the baseball card comes into play. So they look at D.D. Gregorius and he comes off to that hot start and he's still having a great year when you look at the stats, but regression was coming. Um, you're talking about Alex Bregman. Yes, he's off to a slow start, but you just said it. His tools, his 
his advanced stats, everything you look at are just outstanding. And now he's starting to heat up. So he's going to get to those numbers by seasons in. So looking at those, those advanced stats and the X stats, everything you're talking about is great. Um, you know, maybe in a couple episodes from now, I'm going to have to bring up an X stat statement because I didn't even look at him until you mentioned him. But um, there's a lot of like, you know, X Wobas and what the actual Woba is and stuff like that, where you can really you kind of pick apart what's going right, what's going wrong, who should be improving. So definitely some really good stuff to look into and more. I know as the data keeps getting better and better with this year's sample size, you've been using a couple different tools and uh, tweeting out different uh, stats. So it should be really cool to see where that keeps going and seeing which players you know, the, the X stats start to show the truth type thing. So it'd be, it'd be a lot of fun there. Totally. Uh, let's talk some StatCast. Um, we, we do have, you know, StatCast leaderboards came out, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I believe it was. And now we're starting to get a little more fine tuning. Um, real quick, uh, you have some 0 to 42, 17 to 42 degree guys, and then you're uh, 17 to 42 with plus 95 miles per hour, more of a launch or a, a barrel type hitter and, um, and then 100 miles an hour plus give a quick breakdown there and I, got, I want to ask you a couple questions on some players on um, exit velocity kind of average exit velocity to start the year yeah definitely yeah so um, you know like what a lot of the times what I some of the tweets that I put out are um, what I'll do is look at like uh, balls in play right like we have a sense of what the best balls in play are right like if you want to have a high average like hitting the ball you know 10 degrees to 26 dish degrees is like a great way to go because you're hitting line drives that are over the infield, you know, falling in front of the outfielders, or if you're hitting them hard, you know, that are going through the gaps or, you know, can be home runs even at the higher end of that, of that echelon. So we kind of know what the, um, you know, what the, the good degrees are. Like some of this is, you know, I haven't actually done the analysis to know exactly like what, um, you know, like what the, um, you know, the launch angle uh, breakdown should be. But like, you know, when you're hitting the ball, what I'll look at is like, what is the league average on these balls in play, right? Like, so for instance, if you hit the ball over 100 miles per hour, anywhere above zero degrees, right? Like the major league batting average is 708 and the slugging is 1590, right? So like on average, you are getting a base hit in between a single and a double. And a lot of times it's a lot, it's a lot more than that, right? So like, Mm -hmm. those are quality hits. I just saw like Josh Bell hit one like 52 degrees that was over 100 miles per hour. And I was like, wow, that's that's fairly impressive. So I might have to bring it down to like 42 degrees or something like that. But um, these are like really, really solid contact. And so you look at the leaderboard for that. Top 10 right now is J.D. Martinez, Jose Obreu, Mookie Betts, uh, Manny Machado, Mike Moustakis, um, Chris Davis, Justin Upton, Freddie Freeman, Mitch Hanniger, Mike Trout. So like you look in the names that are on that search that like, these are guys that are really, really good. But what I like to look for is like, who are guys who are kind of like exactly out there that you wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. think about. So like for me, uh, you know, like Jose Martinez is number 15. Um, and this is the actually not exit velocity, but this is the number of times they've hit a ball like this. Jose Martinez is number 15, right? Like that's, mm-hmm. that's really good. Uh, Tay Oscar Hernandez, like, he has been one of the muckier hitters. He is actually crushing the ball. Like he has the highest average excellent velocity between 17 and 42 degrees. I think it's like 101, 101 miles per hour of anybody, right? Bigger than Judge, bigger than Stanton. And yet I think he has like six home runs right now, but his expected home runs is like closer to closer to 10, right? So like guys like that where I'm like, ah, you know, that, that he's hitting it a lot. 
And then you can also look by percentage of pitches. So like one of the things that I, that uh, I would love it if baseball savant did a per plate appearance. And it sounds like they're going to actually ask that question, but like percent pitches really doesn't help that much. You can also look at by percentage of pitches to see if there are guys with smaller samples who are hitting it well. Like you can see a guy like that, like uh, Trey Mancini is a guy who's hitting the ball uh, really hard. He's had some regression in contact, but he's, he's making good contact. Um, you know, Ryan Zimmerman's up there despite being injured. You know, he's a guy where it looks very similar, everything that he's been doing, except for the results. Um, you know, Matt Olson is up there again. So just looking through those kind of lists to see who are some of the guys that are, that might be um, surprising and jump out at you. Uh, Brian Anderson of the Marlins, right? He's got 29 of them. And over the last few weeks, he's actually one of the leaders. And so that would be a thing where I might look, you know, for over the last month, who's been the leader, right? Random endpoints, but just seeing like how those things are, are going. So that's one I like a lot, like the 17 to 40 degrees and 95 plus miles per hour. That's like a lot of home runs and extra base hits. Again, like a lot of folks that you would normally see in there, you know, with a little bit of Jason Kipnis added in, who's been, you know, challenging to figure out. Um, so those are just kind of the things that I like to look at. Average exit velocity between zero and 42 degrees. You know, average exit velocity can tell you a lot of things, but it can also be really misleading, right? Like if you're hitting a lot of 100 mile per hour, negative 10 degree balls, like you're hitting the ball hard and a lot of those are probably going to be singles but chances are you're not going to be hitting home runs on those, right? Whereas if you hit the ball 100 miles per hour at 26 degrees, like, you know, bingo, right? Like, yeah. start rounding the bases. So, um, you know, though that I think is is how I like to use StatCast, is like really looking at the launch angle and, and the exit velocity there. And again, like, no. I, I apologize. I warned you beforehand that, like, I would talk for days on this stuff. So, I don't. No, you're fine. Me if you, uh, if you, if you, if you so choose. You're fine. Um, I, I didn't go super in depth. I just put on the leaderboard. I pulled up. I said the players up there. I kind of put it within 50 minimum batted ball events. Didn't go super in depth, like I said. But I'm just looking at some key stats, like just average exit velocity in general in, in that time period. If it gives me the right one, there we go. Um, you know, you got your usual suspects like you'd expect, Aaron Judge, J.D. Martinez, so on and so forth. You know, a guy that's been injured for a while, but before I hurt, Ryan Zimmerman was still hitting the ball very, very hard. So that's why these leaderboards are in- interesting to me to look at. Um, you go down a little farther, a catcher that's caught fire the last couple of weeks, Jorge Alfaro. There's another guy to look at, um, yeah. Kendrick Morales, and, and so on and so forth. It's a small sample, but I was looking at him yesterday, and over the last 10 games, you know, his O swing percentage and his contact have improved. They're still crappy, right? He's still probably got, mm-hmm. got the worst plate discipline or contact skills in the league, but he's actually starting to improve. He'd be a guy that I would monitor. That's a great call. Yeah, that's why it's like, that's why I like looking at these and then, you know, these catch your eyes or the X stats like you were talking about catch your eyes and you look at these, you can kind of put things together. And yes, it's time consuming. I, it definitely is. But um, you start seeing little things because I'm a Giants homer and I admit it and I try to keep it out of most of my analysis the best I can. I, I grew up I grew up in Davis, California, so I'm, well, I grew up watching the Giants. So, well, we're gonna have to talk talk after the show because I'm born and raised in Woodland, California. Oh, so, really? um, Arkansas, yeah, I'm gonna have to end this. I'm yeah, no, I can't believe you just said that. I went to school at UC Davis, and I went to oh, I grew up in, in Woodland. Yeah. So, totally, yeah, we we've got to chat about that because uh, you guys have Dustin Pedroia, and we don't. Yes, yes, so, we do have Dustin. I, I was in Boston when he first came up. I tracked him super closely. Uh, it was, that's awesome. Um, I, I grew up playing with Pedro. We were on all-star teams together. I was his oh, first baseman. So, uh, yeah. Team, Let's there just, was one other guy that got drafted in the first round, right? Uh, it was a couple, couple, couple years before that, Tony Torcado. Oh, God, 
by the yeah. Giants, right? Yes, and he had a lot of power, just couldn't find a spot to play, and it all went. He's been playing. He went and played in Europe for a while. Okay, but cool. um, yeah, didn't quite not quite the Pedroia tra- to track. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, we'll definitely talk about that. But what I was going to is you know number of barrels in the uh, 50 game sample size early for the season. Brandon Belt's fourth on that list. And it, it goes to show you, I've been preaching from the rooftops that this guy is a really good hitter. He gets AT&T to death and he's always hurt, but um, he is like one of the best examples of looking at the advanced stats you talk about. He screams a very, very good baseball hitter. So um, you mentioned you the stadium. Oh, it'd be killer. Absolutely yeah, killer. That'd be like trade, trade, trade for Brandon Belt. Yeah. Um, he's got incredible plate discipline, hits the ball really hard, hits a ton of fly balls and line drives. Like his ground ball percentage is really low. Like everything that you could want in a hitter he's got, except where he hits it happens to be like <laughs> yeah. brutal. Exactly. Exactly. He goes triple alley all day long. Yeah. But you mentioned Teoscar Hernandez. That's the guy that gets me literally it's gone down after his red hot start, but still he almost gets um he almost barrels the ball 15% of his plate appearances, which is one of the best in baseball. So he's a freak. And then, like you said, we could talk for hours on the different – like Trey Mancini's there. That's a good one. Yonder Alonso, so on and so forth. But a lot of the names you'd expect, but if you kind of dig in and change your search topics, that's kind of what we're trying to talk about in this episode instead of just like, hey, here's a list of players. Go get them. Um, we're trying to get the the advanced analytics, angles, stats, all that good stuff to look at. Um Let's talk about some pitchers, uh, the soft contact variety, because this is one of those is I'm like kind of what you were saying earlier. You're looking at, you know, strikeouts, and that's the way of the world. And looking at your pitchers, and I agree. I'm 100%, you know, K per nine. You got to go deeper than that now, like you said. Like I almost – I want a guy with at least 10 or 11 now instead of the normal nine, so on and so forth. But um, soft contact is very, very big in this era in baseball when everyone's trying to go deep. So what are some of the things you, you caught when you're looking at some of the soft contact pitchers? Yeah, and I mean, I think uh, quality of contact is one of these like super hard things to gauge, I really think. You know, some of the things that I look at, like um, I put out some tweets, uh, dribbler percentage, and that's essentially like what I love about X-Stats is Andrew Perpetua has essentially created these buckets based on the outcomes of batted balls. Dribbler percentage, it's not connected necessarily to, it's a combination of exit velocities and launch angles that results in really poorly hit ground balls. So instead of just like, you know, and I think that's the thing that I would say about like people who are who are hesitant about launch angle is is that launch angle is just a mo- more precise version of ground ball, line drive, fly ball. You know, like instead of categorizing all of these these batted balls into three categories, you know, you're you're putting them into much smaller categories, and that's what Andrew does. So, like leaders on dribblers percentage, right? And I think these these lists are so funny because. They're, they're interspersed with like really good guys and guys who are struggling. So like Charlie Morton is number one in the league in dribbler percentage, around 35%, I think. Jake Arrieta um, is doing that. Um, uh, Brandon McCarthy is also there, right? McCullers is there. Ty Block, uh, Sean Newcomb, uh, Jamison Tyone, Garrett Richards. You know, those are kind of some of the leaders in those categories. And as you go through, like some of it makes sense, right? It's like Charlie Morton, you know, like he's got – I mean, he's amazing, right? Arietta has been throwing his sinker a ton more since the middle of last year. He's inducing a ton of ground balls, which is which is fine, right? His K's, K's per nine has fallen through the cracks or fallen through the roof. Um, but, you know, he's, he's inducing a lot of poor ground balls. Brandon McCarthy is too, but that kind of leads you to believe that he's probably giving up some good contact elsewhere. 
Um, McCullers is there, but Ty Block too. He gives up a lot of contact overall, a lot of ground balls. So some of those are bad. Same thing with Kyone. Newcomb is super interesting. I put out a tweet about him like a few weeks ago, but he's actually a guy who all the metrics are pointing towards better control at least. Um, and that hitters are having a really hard time making solid contact on him. Um, and so like you, he also shows up among the leaders in limiting hard contact, which I actually think is like, is better than just looking at soft contact is like, who's limiting really good contact. And he shows up on that list. So he's a guy I love. Um, you know, so there's a guy like that, you know, I look at pop-ups. So Verlander leads the league. 34.8% of his hits are pop-up, which are like infield fly balls, fly balls that pretty much have like a 0% hit rate. Um, Matt Boyd, you know, another surprise guy. He's in both the pop-ups and he's in limiting um, hard drives, which are kind of the best form of contact. Odorizzi's there, Caleb Smith. But you get like Marco Estrada, um, Fires, uh, Velasquez is there. And I think one of the things with pop-up percentage is these are guys who are giving up a lot of fly balls. So some of those may end up being pop-ups, but some of those are ending up being hard drives and hard fly balls that end up doing damage. So that's a couple that I look at, um, limiting hard drive percentage on X stats. This is like, I, I looked at this actually because you asked and listen to this mm-hmm. list, DeGrom, Nola, Syndergaard, Alex Wood, Matt Boyd, uh, Morton, uh, Luke Weaver, uh, Newcomb, Ty Anderson, which I was really surprised about, to be honest with you, especially after today's start. Oh, yeah. um, but um, that, that's a list of like some of the best pitchers that are right there. And then I also look at average exit velocity combined with kind of barrel percentage. So if you just go to the StatCast leaderboard, search by average exit velocity for pitchers, look at low percentages, but then look at, you know, there's some guys who are who are limiting exit velocity, but have a lot of barrels. So they're limiting, they're giving up a lot of like poor ground balls, but they're also getting hit hard. So I look at kind of the combination of those, those characteristics on batted ball quality. And then a way to summarize that often is just looking at their expected on uh, X uh, OBA on X stats or, um, or their WOBA, you know, that kind of summarizes all of the batted ball slash walks K's um, into one number that I like to look at. No, I like it a lot. And you, you mentioned on that list with DeGrom and Nola on that lowest hard, hard drive percentage, you know, you got guys like Boyd who said kind of surprise guy. He's a mystery. I think I've talked to him. I've talked about him three or four times already this season on my podcast. And it's just like, you keep thinking, okay, well, the Matt Boyd's going to show up. And then he starts to have a start where, you know, part of it was bad, but the rest was good. And then you look at the final stat line and in the era, if you believe in quality starts, he had a quality start and he had a lot of strikeouts and he just keeps getting it done more often than not. And that's why I like these. You mentioned guys like Estrada and another, but uh, on that same leaderboard, Luke Weaver is a guy that's been polarizing the many. They can't figure out where last season went, but obviously you look at these kind of stats. They're better. His last couple starts have been much better. Uh, Newcomb's just a freak this season and so on and so forth. So I definitely like looking at stuff like that. It definitely opens your eyes to what you're looking at. Um, Let me talk about some hard – we'll do the hard percentage guys, lower hard percentage guys instead of just soft contact in general. Um, You know, you got Nick Rahm and Nola and Verlander, so on. But the leader on fan tracks – or on fan fan graphs right now, 21.5% hard contact rate. And this guy is tilting to me to no end is Jake Arrieta. Do you have any just quick thoughts on Jake Arrieta for the season? (laughs) I'm not a big fan. (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't, I don't blame you. Um, I'm trying to, the search to see who's got the lowest. 
you know, the thing with Arietta is, is that this actually started in the middle of last year, June, you know, he was reading up a ton of home runs. Um, and he was really struggling and he went hard for the worst baseball. Like there's a, there's been some articles out recently and you'll see people talking about him, like about how terrible the sinker is. Like a few sinkers, I feel like at least for fantasy baseball purposes, because the swinging strike rate on that pitch is terrible. And so, like, do not expect Jarek Arrieta to somehow, unless he changes his pitch mix, to improve. I think this is where velocity can be, like, a little misleading. Is Misleading is right, but, like, um, you know, a guy like him, he's giving up a ton of ground balls, right? 57.1%. thing about ground balls is, you know, they're not going to be home runs, but they also produce fairly high babbits, right? Like, fly ball pitchers tend to have, Fly balls are lower BABIP as long as they're not like really hard hit fly balls, right? Um, you know, so they're so they're pretty good at, at giving up damage, but you can be BABIP. Like this is like Jamison Tyone to the T, right? He doesn't have a strikeout pitch. So, you know, people are hitting a lot of balls on the ground. A lot of that is weak contact, but some of it is also hard contact on the ground, right? And so what I might actually, I'll, I'll, let's, let's do this. I'm going to look at Jake Arrieta's, um, one of the things you can do within um, uh, Fangraph is um, you can you can use the split tool within a player page to actually see how a player is doing um, on different types of batted balls. So like he's giving up a lot of dribbler, like a high dribbler percentage. Um, so um, you know, like a guy like him, either he's going to have times where he like the balls get picked up by fielders, and then times that they don't. And so I think he'll actually end up having decent ratios because he's not walking a ton of guys. Let's see, like, if you look at his ground balls this year, um, so his ground balls, so only 17.1% hard, 63.2% medium, 19.7% soft, so of his hard, uh, of the ground balls that he's given up. So he's not giving up a ton of hard ground balls, but he's actually giving up the lowest soft ground ball percentage of his career right now, you know, which to me would say, okay, like, probably his BABIP on ground balls should be a little bit higher than average. And, you know, look at that. It's 197 right now. You know, it was 177 last year, 118 the year before, 173. So it makes sense that he would have like a little bit um, of a, 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 you know, a little bit of a a worse ground ball profile than maybe last year, this year. So that's just like, um, yeah, I would stay away from him because I just think like the six Ks per nine is going to hurt you one way or the other. Like you can handle the ratios if you have a ton of K's on your team, but he's a guy, you know, maybe he goes on a hot streak. I'd look to look to get rid of him. Maybe go for a guy who has a little bit higher K upside. Yeah, no, he's, he's ultra tilting to me too much contact. He's getting ground balls, but eventually I just don't see that working out too well, but you never know. He's a veteran, but uh, a couple other names we don't have to break them down. I just want to let people know is uh, Kyle Freeland is one that keeps standing out on these type of type of leaderboards. At least get you, yeah, get you to dig in more. Uh, Luke Weaver, we've talked about him on a couple of them already. And there's other ones that, like, you know, some people aren't sold on Dallas Keuchel still being good. Well, he's right now 14th on this list, which is pretty darn good. And he's still getting stuff done. It's just not flashy. And it doesn't help that he's in a rotation with so many other monsters. So he gets kind of overshadowed there. We take this brief break from Bench with Bubba to talk to you about RotoWare. It's one of the best quality shirts in the industry. When I mean industry, all the clothing industry, the fantasy sports industry, because people are rocking it. They're loving it. You're seeing it in a lot of big outlets now. The no other brand 
can compete with RotoWire in terms of quality. They're premium blend fabric, super soft, comfortable, athletic fit shirts. They specialize with a special, special printing process. The design is part of the shirt. Literally, it is dyed and bleached into the fabric. No thick ink. There's over 30 different designs right now. It's just crazy all the stuff they have coming out, and there's more and more stuff every time you turn your head. They have fantasy football, baseball, hockey, basketball, some really cool DFS ones, but everything's great. They have men's, women's, and kids. Check them all out. Go to rotoware.com, R-O-T-O-W-E-A-R.com. Check them out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Rotoware. But the cool part, guys, if you use the promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, you get 20% off your order. Again, promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S. Check their site out. Check them Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They're always giving away free shirts. And then when you go to purchase the ones you want for you, your loved ones, your friends, your family, whatever, use promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, for 20% off your order. Now back to this week's episode of Bench with Bubba. Let's go a little player news here. Um and then wrap this up. Let's start with one that uh, he's been ultra tilting. He is the definition of a home road split at the moment. Hasn't shown that in his career by any means. And everyone's screaming humidor because of this. But what have you found out by looking into Paul Goldschmidt a little more? Yeah, um, you know, Goldschmidt is like my kryptonite. Because last year, in my bold, 10 bold predictions, I saw like decreasing contact rate. I saw like all these bad signs from the second half of uh, 2016. So my, my prediction was that he was going to be outside the top five first baseman. And then he goes and has like an amazing season and this year he's doing it. But like what I found just like quick analysis of him, you know, his dribbler percentage is up 8%. So his really weak contact, um, uh, ground balls is up a lot. And actually ground ball issues have been an issue for him. Like he's obviously great, but he, he does have a fairly high ground ball percentage throughout his career for um, somebody who, who's a power hitter. Um, so that's up, you know, he's, he's, he's hitting a few less line drives and hard drives. And um, so line drives are, you know, X stats used to do it. Uh, Andrew at X stats used to break it down by launch angle. So like 10 to 19 was line drive, 19 to 26 was hard drive, but he found looking at the data that, you know, actually like there, it, it doesn't fit that rigidly within the, the launch angles. So it's a combination of the launch angle and exit velocity. So um, line drives are like, you know, line drives and then hard drives are the best contact that you can make. Those are like uh, lower fly balls that are hit really hard. And so mm-hmm. both of those are down slightly, which can help explain along with the dribbler percentage, why his batting average is down. His expected average is slightly above his current average, but it's still like 215, I think. Um, and mm-hmm. he's hitting more um, fly balls. Um, but not of the good variety. So like ones that aren't good getting out and whether that's an impact of the humidor or not, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not sure. Um, but his overall exit velocity on balls and play looks okay. Um, it's actually up on line drives and hard drives. He's just not hitting as many, um, but it is down four miles per hour on his five level percentage. The biggest issue for him is contact. It's been, it decreased significantly last year. Um, but you know, the, qual- the quality of the valid ball kind of, um, uh, made up for it but he's down to 71.1 percent league average is like 76 to 77 percent so he's well below average right now in contact percent his contact percent over the last 20 games is 66 percent he could turn this around for sure i mean we saw this from edwin Encarnacion last year but maybe there's an injury you know maybe something's happening there it's just his hard hit rate you know has has been going up recently which is a good sign but that contact rate has still been dropping and he's actually chasing more pitches outside the zone which makes me think that he's pressing. So 
just something something to consider as like you think about you know whether he's going to turn it around or not. I don't know whether that means he will or not, but over the last twenty games, things have been getting have been getting worse. Um, yeah, so that's kind of a little bit of what I see looking at his profile. No, and I, I like the the breakdown there because. I'm not as big a fan of people saying it's the humidor with him. And a lot of your analysis there just pointed at so many other factors that humidor or no humidor, he was going to be in trouble. And there's a lot of other teams and players that have come in there and hit the ball just fine. So I know that I know the overall numbers are down. For, so it's showing the humidor's effect. But when it comes to Paul Goldschmidt, I don't take that as much as an argument as, yes, he's swinging out of the zone more. His contact's different. He's hitting more balls into the ground without any, you know, oomph. There's a lot of factors there besides just, you know, they put a, a machine in a stadium to help limit the way the ball flies. So um, interesting to keep an eye on him. He did homer over the weekend in New York. Um, see how his next homestand goes. Let's talk Paul DeYoung. Uh, you you kind of hit on him earlier. He, many thought he couldn't continue what he did last year because of some peripheral stats, and he continued to do it this year. And you said you looked at him, and there he was actually better than the stats kind of dictated in a roundabout way if you kind of look at him at a different angle. And now he's hurt, and he's going to be out for a while. Uh, broken pinky. It's like the third or fourth broken pinky someone's had this year. It's ridiculous. Yeah, a lot of um, high, fly, high high fastballs that are getting guys – yeah, that's a whole other topic for another show because I'm very angry about that. And I've gotten a lot of people that I really respect in the business or in the industry that disagree with my thoughts on it. And it's hard to have a conversation on Twitter without many other people getting involved. So that's a topic for another day. But he's out for six to eight weeks. Um, we know he's going to be out. What kind of replacements are you possibly looking at there? Because you know, he's, it's different than placing a, replacing a guy like Robbie Cano. De Jong's great, or he's really good, but he can be somewhat replaceable. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, it's really unfortunate about De Jong because he was um, he was really starting to turn it on. And he's a guy who, like, uh, you know, the rolling graphs are so helpful because, like, he's a guy where I wasn't big on him because I saw a high K percentage, like, you know, higher swinging strike rate. Like, this is just a guy who has a bad approach at the plate. But if you look at his rolling average, like his rolling 40 game average or 80 game average, he's a dude, he's constantly improving. He's always getting better. And you saw that happening this year. And it's so it's really unfortunate. And it was a bizarre play. Like he got hit in the hand and they initially called it a foul ball and he didn't react. And then Matheny and then were like, uh, did that hit you? And he was like, yeah. And they ended up doing the review and he ended up getting hit in the hand. And so it was just this bizarre play where it's like, man, you want to get on because it was I think like bottom of the eighth or something like that. And they were rallying. But anyways, um, uh, for De Jong, um, you know, the guys, um, the guys that I would be looking at like shallow, like one of the benefits of him is he had second base and shortstop eligibility. Mm -hmm. So you could be looking in a different, a lot of different uh, uh, directions. So some shallow replacements are like 12 team leagues, you know, surprisingly like Addison Russell is only owned, I think in, I want to say like 38% at 12 team leagues on Yahoo or something like that. So like, he's wow. a guy who, um, you know, who I'd be looking at. Um, he's actually, you know, improved a lot of the skills, similar contact, a little bit more selective, hard hit rates been going up. Um, Brad Miller is another guy. He's a little tough in shallower leagues because he does get um, platoon against lefties, but he has been hitting the ball really well. He's got a great hard drive percentage. Um, you know, and so if you're looking for power, um, just, just realize like that, you know, he may sit, like he's playing against the Red Sox this week and 
I think he's going up against three lefties. So earlier this week, he's not going to be a good play. Uh, Daniel Robertson um, from the Rays. Um, uh, with the um, with the injury to Hetraveria, he's going to be in a shortstop uh, every day. You know, a great approach at the plate, gets on base a lot, gets you some runs. Um, it's down the road a little bit, maybe a week or two. I'm not sure exactly. I haven't seen the timetable, but Dustin Pedroia is another guy who, if he's not on somebody's DL or if he's out there, you know, in shallower leagues, maybe even deeper leagues, he's gone in, in all of my 15 team leagues, but um, he's another guy who you might be looking at because De Jong's going to be out for a while. Deeper leagues, and actually, you know, Nico Goodrum is a name that's been around in deeper leagues for a little while as somebody to kind of plug and play. But with uh, Jimer, uh, Heimer um, Calendario getting injured and being out for a little bit, um, you know, he's, he's getting every day at bats. He's a guy who has speed. He's got power. He's got his approach is improving. O-swing percentage is improving. Contact rate is improving. Hard hit rate is improving a lot, and he's actually got a decent fly ball percentage. So if you're looking for a power speed guy, I might actually look, look to him. Uh, Tigers have a glorious schedule this week i can't remember exactly they're going against the white Sox and uh somebody else who's atrocious um you know so they're um like on the espn uh weekly forecaster there they have really high um ratings and then i'm also looking at uh, miguel rojas um, is nice. dude, um who you know i don't necessarily believe it but the approach is better hard hit hit rate is um uh, is up. The approach is much better. Hit, hit two home runs today, so maybe you can, you know, strike it while it's hot uh, with him in some deeper leagues. Um, yeah, Rojas. Rojas is a guy that uh, he went yard again today for DFS players. He's always a target of value because he does have that upset, like you're talking about. He's he's hitting good of, of late and has those big games from time to time. Uh, Nico Goodrum is definitely a guy on the radar. I put the bids in on him. I think in yeah. every twelve plus deep league I have right now because injuries are galore and he's, you know, middle infield eligible, outfield eligible. He's got eligibility everywhere. He's hitting in the middle of the order. He's got playing time. Like you said, I don't mind rolling the dice while he's hot and then, you know, getting away if you have to, or maybe this is the thing that sticks. You never know with the, the good thing about teams like the Tigers, they have nothing to lose by trying, trying to play these guys. And they're going to probably make more trades in the season that he might still have playing time as we go. So I don't mind him at all. Absolutely. Let's talk about another guy that could be a replacement for him because he's back. He's on the same team. He's got middle infield eligibility, and he's played shortstop in the past. So you never know what Mike Matheny is going to end up doing there in St. Louis. But Jed Jericho, a guy that you know notoriously people talk about as he crushes left-handed pitching. Other than that, he's kind of whatever. But if you look at his numbers as a whole, he's been a very, very consistent player of late in the last few years. And there's really, you know, playing time should be there. What is your thoughts on uh, Jericho right now? Yeah, you know, Jerko, um, he's playing really well so far. Um, you know, when I looked at, uh, at the skills, you know, um, uh, everything looks pretty similar. Um, his, his O swing um, is about the same as uh, past years, but his walk rate is up a lot. And that's actually his zone percentage. Like the percentage of pitches he's getting in the zone is down like 5%. So I'd anticipate that that actually wouldn't stick. So if you're in an OBP league, don't necessarily think that that's going to stick around, but you know, his contact's down a little bit, so you might expect uh, the um, the K rate to increase a little bit, but he's hitting a lot of line drives, um, a lot fewer pop-ups. I think his pop-ups are down significantly, which is like the worst batted ball you can have because it literally is never a hit. Um, <laughs> not literally, but, you know, like 0.001. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's, um, you know, he's hitting uh, – I looked this up yesterday, but he was hitting 292, and his expected average was 270, which is solid, right, above average. 
Uh, he's getting a little bit lucky on home runs. I think uh, 2.9 expected home runs, and he had four home runs. So tad bit lucky, but still well within the range. He's a guy for, you know, I actually haven't checked this, but he seems like he always has a really strong first half and then falls off a little bit. So I think, you know, if he's got short shortstop eligibility in your league, I know there are some places he does and some places he doesn't. You know, I'd, I'd say put him at the top of the list that I that I shared there because, you know, in that lineup um, with the power, you know, that you talked about, like, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot worse options. Yeah, no doubt about it. Let's talk about a couple youngsters that got the call recently, and we'll we'll save the the bigger name for last here. But let's start with Austin Meadows, a top prospect on the Pirate system for a couple years now. Never really got a shot. People couldn't figure out why. McCutcheon's finally out of town. Still didn't get the shot out of camp. He had a rough go of it to start the year in AAA, but you know the last few weeks really been turning it on. Um, many don't know if he's here to stay or not, which. You know, if you're the Pirates, why not, in my opinion? But that's a whole other story. Uh, today he went three for four, the homer, two ribbies. He stole a base last night. So he's five for 11 so far in his little quick stint up here. What are you doing with a guy like Austin Meadows? Because, you know, everything in the minor shows he should be a pretty good ball player. Strategy aside, what do you do with a guy like Meadows? Yeah. Yeah, I think he hit like 420 feet last night, which is which is a pretty good sign. Um, a guy like Meadows, you know, the challenge with him is, um, is you have Starling Marte, right? He's out with an oblique. I actually haven't seen what the timeline is, but I assume that when he comes back, you know, there, there's going to be a limited amount of space with Gregory Polanco there and Corey Dickerson playing well. So um, he's a guy for me who, you know, if I lost Marte or if I need a short-term solution in the outfield, I think he could do a lot worse. He's hit for average at, at virtually every stop in the minor leagues. Doesn't hit for as much power, but we've seen, you know, um, you know, I, the 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 ball isn't as much of an issue this year from what I've what I've seen and and read. Um, it's, it doesn't seem like it's as juiced from everything that I've 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 I read earlier on in the season. I don't know if that's still holding true, but um, uh, you know, but pe- you know, a lot of guys have come with not a lot of pop and. You know, they, whether it's an adjustment they've made at the major league level, the ball, ballpark, whatever it is, they've hit for a little bit more power. So you could see it there. He also steals a decent amount. Um, uh, I think he already had eight stolen bases in the minors this league, this year. So, um, you know, he's a guy who I think for me is a temporary solution, um, but certainly has he has the skills to, like you said, to, um, to stick around potentially. But it's a crowded outfield, so I, don't, I actually don't know if I believe what I just said. No, and that's the biggest problem. It's a crowded outfield. He should be one of the three guys out there. But, but it's the Pirates make a lot of audits. Like, they just sent Nick Kingdom back down today. Um, they'd rather have Joe Musgrove start on Friday. There's so many different scenarios there. And they've done it for a few years. The Pirates are one of those tilting teams. I think Metal's definitely worth an ad. I wouldn't go breaking the bank over him. If you get him for a year, especially in need of outfielder help, I think he's one of the top ones to go take a look at. So, now let's talk about the profession that many want to bid for today. And uh, I've had a couple people, couple people ask me questions on how much would you go for him? And everywhere I talk to, I've seen anywhere from like 45 to 50% of your budget. And I've heard some people say 75 to 80%. I'm like, oh my goodness. Um, yes, the Nats are saying he's going to play pretty much every day, which is good. Uh, I'm assuming that means he's even staying up once, if ever, Adam Eaton comes back. I've, was off the Adam Eaton train before draft even started, but uh, you never know how that goes. We're talking Juan Soto, of course, and this kid is a freak. He's many were saying was the next year, assuming he'd be up next year, not this year. This kid's awesome. 
what are your thoughts on him and how much, what percentage would you put down since you're, um, the, the TGFBI is already ran. So you don't have to, you don't have to hide anything. TGFBI, well, unfortunately I put all my, all my money in TGFBI on Brian Zimmerman, <laughs> uh, and no. uh, Joachim Soria a couple of weeks ago. So that's, uh, that's worked out well for me. Um, Hey, you, know, you never know. You never know. You never know. Um, you know, uh, I think everything you said is is right on. I mean, this is a guy who started out the season in single A, still just nineteen, but he's low, low A. Yeah, like low, not even high, low A. Not <laughs> high, yeah, not even high A. Um, he's hit he hit over three hundred at each spot, fourteen home runs and one hundred ninety two plate appearances. I think, if my math is correct, um, you know, like. Yeah. Uh, one thing I recommend for folks who are listening, who were on Twitter is, you know, get on there and follow some of the guys who follow prospects. Cause there have been a lot of people who've been on here mm-hmm. for a long while. Um, I don't, you know, I don't follow the minor leagues as much as I probably should. And so I rely on a lot of those, those folks and their expertise um, to kind of um, you know, take a look, but everything I've seen, I mean, the, the power is legit. If you just watch the swing, I don't know anything about mechanics, so don't listen to anything I'm about to say. Like, uh, but um, but man, it looks it looks smooth. Like, um, it's pretty. It's very pretty. It looks really good. Yeah, it's just it's just it's nice. So, um, I, I, he's a guy who, if I had a lot of my fab left, which I which I don't. I mean, my bid was like a hundred and one dollars. I think out of like the two hundred thirty I have left, something like that. Yeah, I, I, um, I doubt that's gonna go. <laughs> um, you know, in some of my leagues, I have one league that I have about eight hundred thirty dollars left, and mm-hmm. uh, he'll be he'll be on the he'll be available next week. Um, and so in that league, I don't know. Um, I I think he's special. I mean, he seems like a guy who's special. So I might look like forty to sixty percent potentially, um, only because like, and I think this is one of the challenges, right? He's a young guy, and I was. I was like laughing earlier. I saw his first plate appearance and he struck out and you could tell like he really wanted to do some damage when he was up there. And I was just thinking like, okay, what percentage does that drop his fab price now that he's like, Oh, for one with one K. Um, but everything I've read and seen, you know, he is a difference maker, right? Like outside of Vlad junior, like he is the hitting prospect. And we've seen like age is much less of an issue. Acuna, uh, Ronald Acuna has come up and, He's third in um, exit velocity on balls zero to 42 degrees right now, right? So, like, guys can make a difference, and those are the guys that you need to take a chance on because, um, yes, there will be guys that fall there. Like, in a shallower league, you know, you may not need to put as much, but, like, in my 15-team leagues, like, there are going to be very very few instances where guys who have this much difference-making potential come on the wire. And so if you have some fab, like, you know, use it. You know, that's yeah, it's here for guys like like him. So long as you know, um, you know the one that one thing is like the playing time. But he hits. Yeah. Washington can't mess around. No, they're gonna have to keep him. And uh, Victor Robles, he's injured for a while. That's the only thing I could see yeah. stopping him. Um, I just let, pulled up the TGFBI, and Juan Soto went for three hundred sixty-five dollars out of a thousand-dollar budget. My league, it's a little cheaper than I thought, honestly. Um, the one that surprised me looking at quick glances here, we're not going to talk about him today, but he's going to be on people's radars. Sir Anthony Dominguez, uh, relief pitcher for Philadelphia, like to their closer. Okay, if I told you Soto went for three, six, want to take a guess on how much uh, Sir Anthony went for? Oh, no, don't tell me he went for like 400. 
He went for four hundred bucks. Oh God! For one save, wow. Yeah, and I'm laughing because I remember back when people said people, um, the guys that spent you know over a hundred bucks on hundred strips on were crazy. <laughs> so, oh man. I mean, you know, I put, the thing is right, and this is the thing about it is we can say that right now. Yeah, exactly. But he could go on and be the best closer in season, and we look like we're we're food. Oh, yeah. So. I mean, yeah. that's, that's the thing is if you like a player, if you yeah. want that guy, you just got to go, get go it. out there. It's a game, right? Like we want to have yeah. fun and there's nothing more fun than like, I love this guy. I want him. Yeah. You may think I'm crazy, but, and it ends oh. up working out for you. So. Well, that's I told some people on Soto. I said, hey, this guy's a, a special talent. If you want to win your team, break the bank. Just beware of these could be your obstacles. So yeah, it'll be fun to see. Let's talk about a guy that I cut in my TGFBI team about three or four weeks ago because I don't believe in him. Maybe you do. I want to hear your 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 thoughts on him. Let's talk some Matt Carpenter because I Matt Carpenter you the tilting him. the tilting Matt Carpenter. Oh man, I'm I'm a sucker for Matt Carpenter. I think I'm I think he's gonna take me. I actually don't. I own him in maybe like eight leagues. I think I um, one bad, but. I'm a sucker for skills. So like a guy like Matt Carpenter, who always has a really good eye. the ball, super hard. His batting ball profile is pretty nice. Balls, line drives, not a lot of ground balls. Uh, contact is generally good. Like those are guys that I'm, um, I'm a sucker for. So I owned a lot of him. He was one of my bold predictions about how he was going to have a hundred runs and hundred RBIs. Not looking so hot right now, but um, uh, Matt Carpenter, the thing that I'll say about him is that, He's not a 177 hitter. So some things that I've noticed recently, right, is like he has one of the largest differences between his average and expected average on X stats. So he's batting as of yesterday, I think. And um, he's his expected average is 251. Um, through um, almost 80-point gap there between what he quote-unquote should be batting and not. Now, there's been some really great research that's been done on the impact of the shift. He's being shifted, I think, over 80% of the time. And I have no doubt that that is going to have an impact. Um, but he's a guy who, um, you know, he has a 22.2% hard drive percentage, um, which is, the major league average is 11.5%, which is like the best contact you can make. Um, and so there's got to be some lack of luck there. His pop-ups are down 8%. He was a guy who went too far in the launch angle revolution last year. And was hitting the ball hard, but at too high of a launch angle to be a home run. So it's an easy out. Um, he's hitting a lot of line drives, low fly balls. He's hitting the kind of contact you want. So I'm confident that he's going to get better. Will he get better to that 251 that his expected average is there? You know, probably not. But, um, you know, the, the shift is going to have some impact. But since he took that three-day rest uh, in San Diego, he's hitting 350, very small sample size. But over his last 20 games, his contact rate is up at 80%. Last year was at 82%. It was as low as 66% this year at one point. And so he's starting to make a little bit more contact. The K rate should drop. He's getting on base. He's still going to get you runs. He's hitting at the top of the Cardinals lineup, which if it ever gets going, is going to be a beast of a lineup. And so for me, like he's a guy that I'm willing to take a chance on. But am I as confident as I was a couple weeks ago that he was going to turn it around and that he's a buy low? I'd say no, just because there's been that great research done on the shift, which isn't accounted for in X stats, which is something that's important to, yeah. to note. 
Great point there. Yeah, I, I like Carpenter at home. Him, Baba. It's been yeah, it's been, it's been brutal. It's been brutal. Like I'm a big fan of him as a, a overall player, career, everything like that. But you can't you, know, you can't play fantasy with your heart. So you can move on. Um, let's talk about a guy that went back to Anaheim this week and got a little revenge on his old ball club, and he's had a great great season breaking out for the Rays. CJ Cron. Um, I added him in a few leagues recently. I think this guy is pretty legit, but all you know projections, uh, future projections show regression coming. What are you doing with a guy like CJ Crone? Yeah, CJ Crone. Uh, he's a guy like uh, um, in deeper leagues. I think you're really thank FBI. So I've been really um, enjoying uh, having him recently. Um, you know, he's a guy who. Um, you know, yeah, like if you look at the expected stats, they have him dropping his batting average. Everything looks pretty similar. Like the walk percentage is about the same. The K percentage is about the same. O swing is slightly better. He's swinging a little bit less than he, ha- he has in the past. But his contact is up. And the thing that's important to note about his contact is that it's at 76.3% over the whole season, um, you know, which is about league average. But in the last 20 games, it's at like, it's close to 85%. And so that's where, you know, the projection systems are probably going to be a little slow to respond for good reason, right? Like we don't know if that's something that's going to be sustained, but he hasn't had a contact rate over a 20 game period that high since I think 2016, uh, middle of the year then. And so that's where I think, you know, the average may not fall as far as we think it is. And then from a home run perspective, I mean, the dude has always hit for power. I mean, last year he had 16 home runs in 373 plate appearances. appearances. So you're looking at like, you know, I don't know, 25 home runs over 600 plate appearances. Um, last year, it's higher this year. Uh, expected home runs is a little bit, um, you know, below, uh, uh, below, below that. So maybe that pace will slow down a little bit. But, you know, he's hitting the ball hard. He's hitting the ball in the, in the air a decent amount. So, um, you know, he's a guy that I, that I like moving forward and is somebody, you know, that he may look like a sell high. And if you can get the right return, you know, it's always about the return you can get. Um, but I wouldn't expect as much regression from him maybe as, um, um, as folks are, are expecting because of that contact increase, which has also been coupled with a, with a decrease in his, his uh, outside the zone swing rate. No, no, I like that. I've been a big fan of his, and he never got the playing time. So I, I love the trade when he went to Tampa Bay, and he's, he's taking full advantage of it right now. So really liking that. Let's talk about another guy that got traded this offseason to the Giants. Uh, he's playing the outfield. He's had a rocky season. Um, some say not what they were expecting. You know, in reality, close to what he's been doing in the past. But uh, Andrew McCutcheon, what are you seeing with him that you like or dislike? Um, you know, I, I put out a tweet um, earlier this week about uh, McCutcheon, and I just see a guy who's really getting locked in right now um, with everything that I that I that I see. So um, when I tweeted out earlier this week, um, his O swing percentage was at fourteen percent. So I think I mentioned this earlier, but like half the league average. His hard hit rate was up at fifty percent, which is like eighteen points above. Um, 18% above league average and his fly ball rate was above league average. It was like 43% over the same period of time. You look at his barrel barrels per plate appearances is way up. It's at 7.4%, which is a very good number. You look at his hard hit fly ball rate and it's close to 50%, which is a really good number. 
Um, you know, so I really see a guy who all the skills are saying that he is the guy, he is not only like the guy he's been, but the skills are better than they, than they have been. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see him go on a little run, you know, obviously like hitting in, in, uh, in AT&T is, is, is tough. Like they're your team, you know about that, but, um, but I don't think that explains it. Like he has three home runs. Um, I think 5.3 expected home runs at this point in time, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that's like one of those things where like, if you keep it at that pace for a while, and then you have that surge, it, your season and the narrative around it can change really quickly. So he's a guy I would actually be targeting. And he's especially like good because he's one of these guys that contributes in all five categories, like not going to hurt you in average. He's going to get you runs. He's going to hit a decent amount of home runs. He's going to get you RBIs batting there in the lineup and he steals bases. And so guys like that, like even when they're struggling, like they're going to contribute something to your team and it makes it a lot easier to compensate for these like 10 day DL stints when you have a lot of guys that contribute like that on your team. Um, because you're not relying on one guy for stolen bases. You're not relying on one guy for home runs. You're getting contributions from everywhere. And so those are the types of guys I love to have on my team. So he's a guy that I would, I would buy low on right now. Yeah, he was definitely for all. You see him all the time. So, uh, yeah, for everything you just said, there's a reason I I like to target him in my drafts. Just he's that consistency guy that you can, you know, when you're taking shots elsewhere in your draft, you can get him. You say he's hitting around 250. You you didn't expect him to hit 300. You expected, you know, 260, 270, maybe 280. The power is there. It's going to zap a little bit, like you said. You see him certain games, he looks like the cutch of old, and he's kind of getting in that groove, like you said, where you could see a good little run coming together. And as a team, the giant picking it up of late, and obviously that's going to help him play better. So I, I don't hate it at all. I think he's a definite buy low target for someone that wants to give up on him. I'd snag him because at worst he's going to give you a consistent player. You can plug in your lineup with all these injuries that are going on out there. I don't hate him at all. Let's talk about one last guy here. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry I what was that? up on Fangraphs because I had you. I had him last year in one of my main leagues. So really? check this out. In June and July last year, in June, he hit 411 with six home runs, 22 runs, 23 RBIs, more walks than Ks, a stolen base. In July, he hit 322 with eight home runs, 22 <laughs> runs, 19 RBIs, same amount of walks as Ks, three stolen bases. Like that's what you could be getting by picking this guy up. Like, you know, I don't know whether that's a pattern throughout his career that he hit that he hits his stride kind of middle of the year, but I mean, there's not a lot of guys who over two months can put together that type of run in the league. I mean, I actually don't know if there's that many guys who can do it, but it doesn't seem like there's a ton of guys who can do that who can c- contribute like that across the board. Like that's that's the potential we're talking about. Uh, and it seems like just top of my head stuff. He does seem to be kind of that, you know, summertime rest of season guy more often than not. It feels like um, last guy, Rich Hill, the the blister. It happened again, and it's the couple of times already this year. This one cut open and you know started bleeding on him and keep it together. What are you doing with a guy like Rich Hill? Because you. you it's hard to just cut the guy, but my goodness, he wasn't that effective this year to begin with, and he keeps having injuries. I Cutty uh, might not be out of the question. <laughs> oh, Rich Hill. I love Rich Hill. I just love Rich Hill. I had him last year. Uh, I had him towards the end of, um, you know, 2016. Um, he's a guy who, you know, yeah, like when he's on, he is one of the best pitchers in baseball. 
And last year it started out the same. Like he had the blister issue. He went on the DL and then he came out and he was lights out. And so that's what I was hoping for. I think I have him in TGFBI and I have him in, I think like two other places. And um, normally when he's pitching, he's great. And I saw signs of it in his Latin. Uh, God, I can't remember who they were playing. Maybe I can't remember who they were playing, but I actually saw signs of like some life. He was really struggling with his control. It seemed like um, with the curveball, especially that really sets up the fastball. Um, but um, he's a tough one. I think in 15 teamers, you got to hold on to him because there's very few pitchers that when they're healthy can give you a three ERA with 11 Ks per nine and a solid whip on a team like the Dodgers who, yes, they're, they've been terrible, but they have the potential to be very good. Um, so I don't think you can drop him in 15 teamers and 12 teamers. If you don't have a DL slot, it's definitely something that I would think about. I think I want to say they said that he would be out 10, 10 days. Am I right? Or was it, a, was it a couple weeks? I think they're, I think they're hoping for 10 days. Yeah. Because they got to let the whole thing heal and all that good stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, you're probably looking like, I don't know, a couple weeks, weeks easy actually pitching. So in a 12 teamer, you know, I'd, I'd think about it. It depends on what your options are, right? Like, the last thing you want to do is get rid of a guy like Rich Hill and replace him with somebody who's going to be a drag. So, you know, I'd really be looking at, you know, uh, in 12 teamers, you can stream, you can stream a decent amount, some like quality guys. So I'd think about it, but you know, the thing that we always forget is like, you know, and this happens all the time in draft season is you have a guy who's injured like the first two weeks or month and before the draft, you're just like, Oh, I can't handle that month out. And now we're a month into the season. You're like, damn, I wish I'd had that dude on my team. So yeah, I would exactly. still hold on to him in 12s, um, especially if I have a DL slot. I think he's worth it just because of the upside. But um, if you have to, you know, if you can pick up, um, you know, guys that can replace those strikeouts and are going to give you decent ratios, then, you know, you have to at least consider it in 12s. I don't know. What, what are yeah, your, what are your it's, thoughts? that's one of the that, – that that's that's the tough one like it really is i think in 12 teams and below you can really you can do it because i was looking at i have like two 12 team leagues and look at the waiver wire today there's a lot out there like you you really gain appreciation for the battling you do in those 15 team leagues when you look at those waiver wires like wow okay i can pick up you know andrew heaney on a week like this where does not a flashy name but he comes in real handy on a week like this where he's nowhere to be found on a 15 team league so on and so forth but um, Rich Hill likely would get would get swooped up pretty quick. You'd have to. It, it's more. Of, are you desperate? Do you need to fill that spot? And if can you can you hang on to him? Do you have a DL spot? So on and so forth. But just keep an eye on him because I'm just worried these these things are going to keep lingering because this happened a couple times this year. He has a track record. It, it is a little scary. But you said it when he is healthy. When he is pitching. He's very good. So it's just tilting. It, it, a lot of it, you know, don't uh, don't drink and do fantasy sports. Don't don't, don't, don't do a lot of hot taste like when you're when you're angry. Take a deep breath and step away from the computer. Totally. Um, well, but all, the, the point you made there is so good though about like it all being dependent on the team context. Like I think mm -hmm. that point in fantasy baseball is missed so much. Like you oftentimes get questions: Should I pick up this guy? Should I pick up that yeah. guy? I'm like happy to answer those questions, but like so much of it depends on team context. Like, yep. like, yeah. Do you have do you do you have guys who can fill in the K's that you were expecting from Rich Hill, right? Mm -hmm. Do you, um, you know, like, 
the, the, the ratios, like who's available on the waiver wire? What's the replacement value you're looking at? Like we oftentimes think about a player in isolation of the team, but like the team is even more important than, well, I don't know if it's more important than that player, but like, you know, like it's so important to understand your team context and what you need, right? Like, like, especially in Roto, like if, you know, like it's great to go for a high stolen bases guy because stolen bases are important, but you know, if you're already leading the league in stolen bases and you're, you're getting it from a lot of places and you're not planning on swapping trading stolen bases, like it may not be the most important thing for you to do. Right. So, um, that I think you nailed it right there. Like about how important the team context is for making these types of decisions. Like you said, people ask you point blank questions, trades, pickups, and I always tell them, well, what size is your league? Do you, who are you replacing so-and-so with? Like there's a million other factors than just, you know, A and B that, that make these work. Uh, that's why I dropped Matt Carpenter and TGFBI maybe a few weeks before others would, where, you know, every every show you listen to or read, it's like, okay, he's still going to bounce back. Everything points to him bouncing back. And my team was going to make moves, and the guy on the wire was going to help me right now. We're held for another month, which he's about to right now. It would have buried me. So it's just, it's one of those things, can you do it? What do you got? Because I have no bench space or nothing right now. It's, it's pretty crappy. But um, yeah, team yeah, context. Reserve spots in TGFBI makes it really hard. like To hold on to guys, it's tricky. Seven. And there's, yep. yeah, it's, my DL is full. I've got like Elvis Andrews, Avisail Garcia, Rich Hill, Carlos Martinez. Like they're just piling, you know, it's piling up, but you only got those five reserves got to use them wisely that's what i'm worried about is my dl's full like yours and pretty soon some of those guys are gonna start coming off and then you gotta realize who am i dropping <laughs> it just it changes as we're in leagues with vultures and they're gonna just jump on that because when i dropped the next week he wore a hundred dollars in fab there were believers out there that were like okay you still got it i was like oh please don't backfire on me please don't back <laughs> But you never know. Yeah. But all right, Matt man. Is the Ryan Zimmerman for me, where like I threw 313 bucks of fab on him. Everybody was like, I can't believe he was on the wire. And like, I was like, I couldn't believe it either. This is going to be great. And then it's like, he plays three out of the next seven games and then goes on the DL. And I'm sitting there like, ah, oh well. I mean, uh, Zimmerman, once he's healthy, if he gets healthy, I believe in him a lot. Better. But all right, man, that'll wrap it up today. This was an absolute blast. Um, everybody, go check him out on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. If you aren't already, you're missing out on the fantasy game. Uh, com. So go check all that out. And one thing I'm really looking forward to, our junior gets called up, his O swing rates and everything you're going to break down are going to be outstanding because he hits just like his father. So he's going to break all the stat models to begin with. So that'll yeah, be a blast. I up in TGFBI. I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm subtweeting everything the Blue Jays do just so that, they, you know, maybe that'll be effective in getting them to call them up. But well, I, I really appreciate it, uh, Bubba. Hey, you having me on. Like, it's been a lot of fun. Really appreciate uh, the conversations we have on Twitter. You're a great follow. Um, yeah, I just really appreciate, you know, the opportunity to be here and talk a little bit. And I apologize in, uh, afterwards nope, for nope. talking so much. <laughs> no, well, that. Yeah, no, and I'm all good with it because it was great, great content. And we'll, we'll do it again for sure. And on the, the, the Vladdy front, I saw about an hour ago, the Blue Jays sent Urania down to the minors and said a corresponding move will be made soon 
for Tuesday's game. So you have to hope that's going in one direction. Uh, I, I think it was uh, Smada, uh, yes, uh, who who puts out like the TGFBI um, standings. Mm-hmm. He was saying that the steamer projections for Vlad uh, Vladimir oh, yeah. are um, are like there's like seven better rest of season hitters <laughs> in in major yeah, league baseball based on steamer projections in him. I'm like that's my that's, that's my hope in uh, in TGFBI. It's a super competitive league. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, he's so in the he's in the trout category. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's crazy. Sure. I'm excited about that. So, yeah, that's cool. We'll see. Yes, we will. So, all right, everybody. This was Bench with Bubba, episode 95 in the books. Again, go follow him on Twitter at Batflip Crazy. We'll catch you guys next time.